0: game this weekend is going to come down to defense, and within that, it's going to come down to defensive schematics. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Steelers versus Ravens is an 8.20 p.m. kickoff now. That's Sunday night at MNT Bank Stadium in Baltimore. I'll be heading down to, what do they call it? Charm City? Something like that? The Charm City or just Charm City? I'm not sure which it is. (laughs) Regardless, I'm heading there this weekend myself, obviously. And it's wholly possible that by the time that I walk through the media gate, we'll already have known that the Steelers were eliminated from playoff contention or that They've still got a shot. And you know what? After that insane scenario played out in their favor around this time a year ago, I wouldn't rule anything out. I also wouldn't, of course, expect it. Here's what else I won't expect. I won't expect, at least not in advance, for Terrell Austin, Brian Flores, and yes, Mike Tomlin to outsmart john harbaugh when it comes to defensive schematics why would i say this well first off i know that it's red meat to a certain portion of this fan base and i'll semi-apologize for that in advance i'm not really the red meat type i don't believe in pandering and i don't believe in oh this will rile up the masses or whatever instead I'm thinking back to the most recent game between these teams, which was obviously less than a month ago, the Week 14 matchup, in which the Ravens squeaked one out on the strength, and I do mean strength, of 215 yards on the ground without Lamar Jackson. Oh, and without any reasonable cause to believe that the Ravens could throw the ball At all, given that Ty Huntley was there and eventually the third stringer. Didn't matter. The Ravens ran wherever they wanted, whenever they wanted. While in this same span of games, the Steelers have been exceptional at run defense, shutting down in particular the Panthers in Charlotte, although the Panthers had been running all over everyone and after the Steelers left town, continued to run all over everyone. So what was the difference here? This was Austin yesterday after practice on the South Side. We you know uh, we can't play. We have to play better than we did the last time. Uh, they, they, they made me a similar You uh, We don't see how you try to do some different things as well whoa 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 you had me at schematics there okay let's keep talking about schematics what can you expect at point park university in downtown pittsburgh respect Rigor, relevance, that's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. Coaching isn't all about X's and O's, not in any sport. A lot of it's about motivating guys. We talk about that as related to Tomlin a lot, but it comes down to positional coaches and other assistants as well. Coaching is also, of course, about teaching, even at the tippy top level of professional sports, even between a defensive coach having a conversation with Cam Hayward. There's something, something that can be taught. Believe you me, Carl Dunbar does not hesitate to teach Cam new things or things that he had not known before. So when you see a player rise up, maybe a young guy, maybe an undrafted guy, um, let's go to the other side of the ball for a moment. Jalen Warren, undrafted rookie. He's had to be taught how to be an NFL running back in the span of less than a year and without the benefit of countless reps the way Najee Harris would get as a first-round pick. That's to the immense credit, immense credit of Eddie Faulkner, who nobody mentions anywhere. But he's done a terrific job. Not just with Najee, although that's the type of player that coaches get evaluated based on. You know what I mean? Whether that's fair or not. But with really the whole group, because Anthony McFarland's made strides too. On the defensive side of the ball, where is this level of instruction translated into improvement when it comes to the key deficiency? on this defense, which is anyone who listened to yesterday's episode will know that at least I believe happens to be the inside linebackers. Why are they not filling the correct gaps? Why are they not making the right reads? Why are they not, uh, in particular, Devin Bush, uh, as eager to initiate or take on contact as you need to be? Why are they not shedding blocks? Why are they not finding their gaps? That's coaching. But if you go back to that Baltimore game and you look at what the Ravens were able to do offensively, consistently, throughout, despite being able to advertise it, that's a shortcoming of schematics. The holes weren't plugged, players weren't moved into proper positions, and the leaks sprang everywhere. Is it sprang or sprung? How about, like, Springeth or something? I don't know. The leaks were everywhere, all right? And the Steelers had no answer for it. Nor did they appear to be coming up with answers for it, because if you watch the film, there weren't adjustments being made. It was just, hey, everyone, tackle harder. And along the way, players who might have been able to contribute or tackle harder were not instructed or good enough to have improved over the course of the year so that you couldn't use an Isaiah Loudermilk or a Mark Robinson or someone like that, that you believe possibly could have made a difference. That's coaching. That's coaching. Remember all that stuff about the super egghead brain trust that was going to be on display with the equivalent of three de facto defensive coordinators. All of them. Should count their lucky stars that everyone's been distracted by Matt Canada all season long. When we come back, J1Q... In Pennsylvania, learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from Joe, who says, Hey, DK, I feel like the offensive line was the weakness of this offense or so we thought to start the season, but they've somehow become a strength. At what point do we give Pat Meyer a pat? Oh, he capitalized that, a PAT, capital P, on the back for turning nothing into something. I think today's a perfect day to do that, Joe, because I've already started talking about the importance of of coaching in terms of uh, schematics, but also instruction and improvement. And there's no way that there's any facet of this football team that's been more improved than the O-line. It's still not where anyone would want it to be, and I don't want to give off that impression as being one that I'm trying to convey either, because it's not. In particular, on the left side, you've got growing pains on a pretty regular basis with Dan Moore and Kevin Dotson. And you know what? You're going to see those again Sunday in Baltimore. Because this is exactly the type of team that exposes that sort of thing a lot more than some of the other opponents the Steelers have faced of late. But the part of your point that I agree with the most is nothing to something. It's probably not uh, an overstatement to suggest that this was the worst offensive line in football at the outset of this season. If only because if there were others that were just as bad, they couldn't possibly have been worse. But we've seen, well, I talk a lot about the left side of the O-line, but I'm going to give a little bit of respect here as well to Mason Cole. Because Cole had to come here, learn a whole new system, and really stick at center for the first time in his NFL career. Remember that the Vikings bounced him between guard and center. On a pretty regular basis, he needed to become a starting NFL center. He did that. I feel like he's performed at enough of a level that if anyone out of this group had been considered, this is a nice way to say this, for a Pro Bowl selection, it would have been him. But yeah, ultimately, hey, that comes down to coaching. Whenever you're seeing it happen across the board. And whenever you're seeing a group of five players, most of whom weren't all that familiar with each other as it applies to who's next to you. Do you see what I'm saying here? We talk a lot about chemistry on an offensive line, but a left tackle doesn't need to have chemistry with the right tackle. A left tackle needs to have chemistry with the left guard and to a lesser extent the center. Do you see what I'm saying? And if you look at the Steelers' line, All the way across, you'll see, you know, James Daniels comes in at right guard. He's completely new to Chuk Sokora Of course, everyone's new to Cole, and Cole is new to Kevin Dotson. And the only two that had played together were Dotson and Dan Moore, and they've, of course, been the biggest works in progress. We talked a lot earlier in the year about leadership on the O-line. Where is it going to come from? Marquise Pouncey was the leader for a decade. Who's the leader now? Well, ultimately, the leader needs to be the positional coach. We can say that Pounce was the leader whenever he went out on the field, but the leader of the O-line was Mike Munchak. So, yeah, let's give credit to Pat Meyer. And you know what else? I'll, I'll throw in that I've communicated with these guys a lot, as regular listeners will know. I spent a lot of time with the O-linemen, and they speak very highly of him, of of Coach Meyer. And they would want it out there that he's had a big part in their coming together. In fact, when I was in Charlotte, that was a couple weeks ago after that game against the Panthers, and I asked a bunch of guys uh, different questions about their progress, again, offensive linemen. James Daniels was the one who said to me, Give it to the coaches. Give it to the coaches. They're the ones who made this happen. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do another one of these Monday morning from Baltimore.